Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio, 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to our 103rd program of Think Again. Think Again is produced by Borderlands Cooperative, an organization that has been dedicated to social change for over 23 years. I'm Jacques Boulet, and Jennifer won't be with us today, but I'm having a conversation with Claire Dunn, whose book, Rewilding the Urban Soul, has just been published uh, by Scribe. Welcome to the program, Claire. It's great to be in conversation again after so many years. Thank you, Jacques. Yeah, it's really lovely to be in in connection with you again and your good work here at Borderlands. Mm. Listeners to our live and podcast Think Again programs, they will know that we often deal with issues associated with our modern ways of living and being and with the various effects of modernity on us as individuals, as communities, and in the broader sense, on us as a species. We have often spoken about the great damages we inflict on our ecology, on nature and on ourselves and have often focused on the hyper-individualism of Western culture, on its consumerism and the close to sociopathic elements that become apparent in our ways of relating with one another in our organizations, our families and our settings in which we live our lives. Not for nothing do we call our families nuclear families. From our first program now two years ago, we have named relationality as one of the main perspectives from which we observe and through which we try to understand our world. We have had conversations about the ways in which capitalism and its value system penetrates about all we do in our daily lives. And we have discussed the injustices, inequalities, and especially the ecological consequences. And we have often suggested how we need to extend our sense of community to include the non-human nature of which our survival depends. And we have referred to the fact that the growing proportion of humans becoming city dwellers may not help with this at all. And which is where Claire comes in. As I mentioned, Claire has just published her second book, Rewilding the Urban Soul, and has agreed to come and share some of her thoughts. So Claire... While some listeners may know about you and your past adventures and your written work, especially the story of your year without matches in 2010, it would be good to share a bit more of your background and how you became a nature's apprentice, as you now call yourself, in your book and and on your website, really. Great. Thanks, Jacques. Yes, well... um... I still very much uh, identify with being nature's apprentice. I don't think I'll ever not be nature's apprentice. And uh, nature in the broadest sense of the word, really. Um, My passion is exploring our connection uh, to to the earth, to, you know, the more than human world um, and to community and to ourselves. And and these these three um, vital factors for human thriving. But originally, I kind of came to this work um, 
after many years of being an environmental campaigner for the Wilderness Society and grassroots forest campaigning and, and really at that kind of front line of political wrangling to try and protect our wild places. And after about 10 years of that kind of work, I, I came to the, the realisation that the, the root cause of this ecological crisis um, was, was and is our, our profound disconnection and separation um, culturally and individually from, from our life support systems, from the earth, and for most of our human history, of course, we've lived in intimate connection with uh, the wild other. And so I turned my attention in this way and, and um, in a variety of ways I learned wilderness survival skills and, and bushcraft and nature observation and awareness um, and, and shamanic practice and ceremony and, um, you know, contemporary rites of passage like Vision Quest. And I really turned my my kind of lens towards the human nature connection, which seems so vital, not just for uh, our own um, species and our, the health of our planet, but also for myself. I was really burning out as an as an activist and really needed to attend to my own relationship with the wild world, and and that that's when I embarked on this. Um, year retreat my year without matches putting into practice all the wilderness survival skills and and really observing myself over the four changing seasons and observing the forest um and it was a yeah transformational year Mm. but um i found myself six years ago living back in the city and uh that's where this conversation picks up Mm. I assume that your first book is still available. I will put the reference on the 3CR website later. Tell us a bit about the major ideas and messages you want to pass on to those who read Rewilding the Urban Soul and read it to all of us living with more or less precarious comfort in large urban contexts like Melbourne, context which will soon be the living context for about three quarters of humanity around the world. Yes, well, picking up where I left off um, just before, I found myself living in in Melbourne, this foreign foreign city to me, um, and realizing that I didn't want to uh, resign myself to this kind of disconnected urban life where uh, I only encounter myself as a connected wild creature if I leave the city to go and you know be in wilder places. And so I decided to to set myself this um, challenge of how deeply could I could I kind of cultivate and generate and and experience this sense of this sense of deep connectivity, this sense of being a wild sovereign creature while living in the city and and adopting the kind of um, philosophy and practice of rewilding in a kind of human context, this human rewilding movement really seeks to um, counter our uber-domestication and our over-civilization. And I guess you can think of it like rewildings, like decolonizing the mind or, or questioning all the assumptions about how we live, what we eat, how we move, what we where we put our time and attention, uh, we're so conditioned into this experience of being a, a very indiv- individualistic um, kind of separate entity moving through space. Um, and instead we can open ourselves to a much greater field of belonging 
Um, and this is what I what I crave for myself, and also what I hear so many others yearning for is this the longing to belong. You know, really to belong to the places that we live, to belong to communities, um, to belong to ourselves. And so, the uh, the really the the main thread in rewilding the urban soul is this question of like, how can we uh, reweave ourselves into the web of connection right here where we live? Not not some back to the land ideal um, that was more of a a kind of concept in the 1970s of moving away from the cities and, and getting back to the land, but as a daily lived experience in the urban context because, you know, realistically most people in the world do live in urban areas and it's a dangerous idea to think that we can't be deeply connected creatures living where we do because then we're not really going to be countering the, the kind of rift of separation. So this was the experiment I went on. Um, and I really do like the analogy that some rewilding practitioners use of, you know, this uh, of kind of like captive animals in a zoo compared to, you know, domesticated humans. You can think of a lion in a zoo, and we know that some of its lionness, some of its potential, is 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 taken away uh, by the fact that it's that it's captive. Um, and so, how have we? How have we? done the same thing to ourselves how have we kind of put ourselves in in cages um, and how can we actually step out of those cages just by turning our attention to this idea of rewilding ourselves right in the in the suburbs and the neighborhoods where we're living mm, that sounds really 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 intricate and interesting let's have some music to let that sink in a little bit and we're listening to a fig for a kiss a traditional tune played by Georgia Rose from Briagolong, and that will be followed by a promo.
you know, it's quite confusing, the cultural heritage laws in this country. And that is of extreme concern to our people across this country. And, you know, not only the Japarong trees, there's Duke and Gorge, and there are a number of other sacred areas of extreme significance to our peoples across the country that are being, you know, because of the cultural heritage laws that are in place are, you know, not actually protecting our heritage at all. 3CR Radiothon, community powered radio. To donate, call 03 9419 8377 or donate online at 3cr.org.au. You're listening to Think Again, 3CR 855am on your dial, 3CR digital and streaming at 3cr.org.au. Today I'm having a conversation with Claire Dunn about her new book, Rewilding the Urban Soul sharing with us the main ideas and experiences that led to and that are living in the book she has written. Claire, I I do see your work very much part as, you know, of a few hundred years' worth of naturalist writing. I'm thinking Goethe, Gilbert White, the uh, Selborne vicar, all the way to David Abram, whom you also mention in your work, Indigenous writers, Kimmerer, one of my absolute favourites, Yom Kapota. But I find your attempt at placing yourself straight in the everyday centre of the tensions between coming to know and co-inhabit with nature and the urban realities – between the gadgets of hypermodernity, email and all of that, and the basic elements and practices of human survival, of living in the between space where these two meet. Because you run around with a, with a mobile, at the same time you sit around the fire and contemplate what surrounds you. I find that the extraordinary virtue and the challenge of your book. Could you expand a bit on this, please? Absolutely, yes. And those uh, nature writers that you mentioned are certainly kind of heroes and inspirations of mine. Um, And uh, it's a really different kind of uh, concept to be a nature writer in the city and not one that I ever thought that I would be adopting Mm. because I've always had the identity of of being a, um, you know, living in the bush and, and growing up outside the city. And yet here I find myself, um, writing about nature both the wild nature within ourselves and and the landscape of of wild nature in the city and and the very tension that you speak of um of of living in this hyper modern uh urban jungle and attempting to remember my wild self remember myself as one strand in this web of life that tension um is what really drove me to this experiment. It's that challenge of can I really do this? Because I know I know if I take myself out bush, well, it's an instant uh, return to a, a kind of creation mind as I've come to know it. But it's that that beautiful juxtaposition and incredibly uh, kind of challenging juxtaposition of finding the wild in the cracks and crannies of the city um, that really fueled my passion for this experiment. Um, and there's, there's, something that, there's something that I discovered about um, how the, the kind of rarities of wild nature in the city 
kind of that juxtaposition give give the experience the kind of awe as if you were standing on top of a mountain. So, for instance, when I discovered that there was a kangaroo that had um, made its way up the river and and was kind of living in my backyard and my neighbor's backyard, you know, if I was living in the bush, you know, there's wallabies jumping around all over the place. It's it's uh, it's kind of like a you know um, an everyday experience, but having a kangaroo in my backyard, having this wild sovereign creature um, kind of mirroring back to me the, the, the conflict of living in the urban landscape was incredibly powerful. Um, similarly, when I discovered that the powerful owl, which is a threatened species, Australia's largest forest owl, was also roosting just close to my house. And, and when I, you know, I spent kind of 12 months tracking it until I finally found uh, the roosting site and, and locked eyes with this owl. That experience was more powerful because of the juxtaposition of hearing the Eastern Freeway in the background and the, the plastic water bottles, you know, drifting down the river that I was standing on my paddleboard. It's, it's you know, there's something, there's something that's powerful because of that conflict. And the stories that I tell in Rewilding the Urban Soul, both both my own stories and those of the others that I was mentoring and guiding into their deep nature connection journal, uh, journey, uh, it's it's that conflict that that um, made the journey more precious in a way, uh, because we really value what what is rare, what is endangered, what is threatened, what is disappearing, um, and these wild places in the city. Uh, it's so much easier to kind of fall in love with one place than it is an entire wilderness area that is kind of overwhelming. Um, but this is really what I was aiming to do, was to fall in love with the world more and to guide others into into this love of, of the world. And it was actually in some ways easier because of the context of the of the city. Mm, mm. Yes, I can I can certainly testify or attest to that kind of a feeling as I read your book. So there's lots to think about here. Thanks for sharing that, Claire. As I said, in Think Again, we have from the onset put relationality as the perspective from which we look at many of the issues and problems in society and community. We often characterize our human existence as necessarily one of what I call interdependent autonomy. So I found chapter eight, particularly in your book, and your visit with your friend Arian Arian in London to totally resonate with that idea, as he describes London as a, and I quote, a landscape of relational poverty. Could you let this idea also resonate a bit with our listeners? Yes, sure. Uh, so in that chapter, I, I visit my, my close friend Arian, um, who I'd lived with in a, in a forest community for a year when I was writing my first book. And he, he was living in the forest um, for 30 years and then suddenly um, picked up sticks and moved to London. And so I was catching up with him for the, for the first time and we had this fantastic conversation about uh, why both of us now find ourselves living in the city and our experience of that. And um, for Arian, he uh, experienced both both extremes of connection and disconnection in the city. He certainly saw it as this, as living in this landscape of, of relational poverty, this kind of field in which our bodies and imaginations are moving through, recognising that the, this, this urban field is, is one of kind of 
disconnection. We're co-located, but we're, we're disconnected. We live these kind of sliced and diced um, lives. But what mm-hmm. he went to the city for was um, to rediscover himself through uh, not, not a forest anymore, but a forest of humans. Um, and to explore this this idea of the technologies of, of affection, how to be individuals in relationship to each other. Um, and it's, you know, because we, we're so closely um, co-located in the city and there's so many different niches of diversity and creativity and this kind of, it's like a beehive of kind of creativity and, and, um, and collaboration there is this opportunity for, for um, knowing ourselves as interdependent in a way that I find difficult to, to experience in regional centres in Australia. Um, so Arian kind of attested to this, this um, experience of while the forest was, a, was an incredibly sensorial, um, luscious place to live, it was also in this field of relational poverty and what he was finding in the city are these ways to relate authentically um, to communities um, in a way that, that he was growing. He was growing and um, I also experienced this kind of similar sense of being met in the kind of overlapping circles of, um, of village building um, in the city that I couldn't outside and so this, if we, if we actually develop this diversity, if we cultivate and generate this, um, this sense of building villages within the city structure, then it's incredibly generative um, kind of cultural, um, you know, uh, kind of situation to be in. So it's, it's relational poverty in the kind of architecture, but within that there's these opportunities to connect that are quite extraordinary. Mm. Oof, that needs to sink in again and on that note we'll probably better go to a promo and swallow a couple of times 3CR's annual Radiothon fundraiser launches in June and this year we're asking you to be part of Community Powered Radio it's only with your support that we're able to be independent community controlled and focused on people rather than profits Your support during Radiothon powers the station to give voice to hundreds of people and issues for another year. And remember, any amount you can afford makes a big difference and all donations over $2 are tax deductible. 3CR Radiothon. Show your support during June 2021. 3CR Community Powered Radio. You're listening to Think Again. 3CR 855 AM on your dial, 3CR digital and streaming at 3cr.org.au. I'm talking and listening to Claire Dunn, whose book Rewilding the Urban Soul has just been published. We're coming to the end of our conversation, dear Claire, way too quickly, of course. What would you suggest to our readers would be a way to start relating and living more meaningfully, more consciously and more sensorily and sustainably? with nature in the urban environment? Well, luckily it's, uh, it's not too hard to enter into a, a deeper conversation with the modern human world um, because it's, it's really about the quality of our attention that we give, not the quantity. So it's, it's not about suddenly having 
um, you know, days of, of free time <laughs> to, to come to know every single species in our backyard. Um, but it is about intentionally entering into a, a kind of um, a deeper conversation. And there's, there's ways, really efficient ways that we can do that. One of them is, is what I call a sit spot which is literally finding one place within five or ten minutes walk from your home that feels wildish to to really uh, apprentice to, to really become nature's apprentice to one particular spot. Uh, mine was down down in my backyard on the river on the Yarra, um, which you know becomes a sacred spot after it after a while of of observing the changing patterns and seasons of. Um, of nature and of course oneself it really becomes um, uh, like home it really it's it's like this place of, of belonging you're no longer an observer anymore but um, you know a participant in the landscape and so you know as well as the sit spot there's a really simple practice that brings me so much joy and it's so simple and it's it's literally the it's the art of wandering and we can do that anyway. You can do it on a city street. You can do it in the CBD. You can do it in a suburb. And it's that sense of walking outside your front gate um, and not knowing where you're going to be walking to, not knowing what you're going to discover. So kind of like this, this attitude of, of um, innocence and like childlike curiosity and really letting yourself just be, just wander. Uh, with your senses open, your eyes open, your heart open, and just seeing what calls to you, really being open to the beauty, being open to the, the bird calls, extending the conversation way beyond what's going on, the chatter in your mind. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite mm. profound what, what can happen in that, in that radical openness um, mm. to, the, to the landscape. And those two practices together as well as, you know, as well as consulting some field guides and getting some kind of, you know, basic ecological literacy about what's, what, what's moving, what plants and animals are moving through the landscape and living there, um, that's incredibly powerful to, to really put our roots down in, in an area. And as a first guide, I would urge everyone to go and quickly buy Claire's book because it really is a kind of a guide, a kind of an opening up. Thank you so much, Claire, for uh, these not even half an hour we've spent together uh, and have been, a, have been having a conversation about really important things. Mm. So thank you very much. We hope that we can get you back sometime soon. Letting our listeners know that 3CR is in the middle of its yearly radiothon and we need to raise $250,000 to continue to be able to share with you listeners what only independent community-owned station can do. Real news, good thinking, and lovely music. Thanks for listening to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio with me and uh, Claire Dunn. So thank you again. Remember, if you want to send us a message or ask about anything from today's program, you can email Borderlands borders at borderlands.org.au. Just put Think Again in the subject line. Our programs are available by podcast and at the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au. And also thank you to Clyborne for recording and for the music. 
Stay tuned for the following program, Jailbreak, that gives a voice to prison inmates, their families and friends. To bring us into this program, we have World Turning by Yothra Indy. I've been 